Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. I always feel like I sound surprised when I say the episode number. 65? Oh, wow. Yes. So I'm going to start by saying 2020 did not go according to plan. Do you agree? (laughs) In 2021, so many things are still uncertain, like when live concerts, theater, festivals, and other events will return. Oh, I can't wait to see a live concert or show. What I know for sure, though, is why I got into coaching unstoppable musicians and actors. I have a real passion for the performing arts. I am committed to helping my clients attract fans, media, and industry so that they can make money with their talents. It's my purpose in life. I love the descriptive word of unstoppable because my ideal clients didn't just wait around last year for things to go back to normal. They were resourceful, proactive, and persistent in educating themselves and growing their online audience. I can coach performers on the how, the how of goal setting, personal branding, social media, and PR. But the key to success is taking consistent action. Does this describe you or the you you want to become? I announced on the podcast a few weeks ago that I was giving myself a challenge to give away 45 free coaching sessions in 45 days to qualified musicians and actors. It's been so fantastic to connect with so many of you during the last couple of weeks. I love being surrounded by talented artists, and I'll continue the offer throughout April. So if you have not had an introductory session with me, now is the time. I've opened up my schedule to fit you in. So you can visit dianefoy.com slash booking. And I hope to see you on Zoom soon. And I want to empower more artists to become that unstoppable performer to achieve your dreams. My guest today shares my purpose for helping up-and-coming musicians succeed. Bree Noble quit her corporate job as a director of finance to pursue music. After a successful run as a touring singer-songwriter, she founded Women of Substance Radio to promote quality female artists in all genres. She hosts the profitable musician show podcast where she teaches musicians how to tap into multiple streams of income. 
drawing on her extensive experience as a musician, online marketer, and business owner, Bree has created several educational programs for musicians, including the Female Musician Academy and Rock Your Next Release. During our conversation, she shares her musician's profit path framework, the five stages of music career growth. Also, we talk about the unique challenges of being a female indie artist in the industry. There's so much to this episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Hello, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so I've known about you for a long time now because you have so many different projects. Um, maybe give us a rundown of some of the highlights that you've had in your career, all the different projects that you've had and, and continue to have. Sure. Um, so I'm a musician and I started playing music very, very early, got very excited about it in high school, went on to be a vocal performance major in college. Uh, but I also then decided that I had an interest in business. So I kind of as like a fallback plan, I got a double degree in business. And when I left school, because I didn't have any clue how to become a, a musician, like a real one, you know, I was a great musician, but I didn't know how to have a living at it. Um, I started working as a, well, first as an accountant, then a director of finance at an opera company, which was fantastic because I loved the arts and I love being able to be around the arts. But all this time I was watching all these amazing artists living out their dreams. And I wanted to be not an opera singer, but I wanted to be like a singer songwriter performer. And I didn't, I wasn't doing that. I was writing their paychecks. So that was, that was difficult. Um, because I was just really trying all kinds of things, trying to figure out where my place was in music. I was joining all these different bands that never worked out and, um, just, trying a lot of things to get on people's radar that I thought, you know, I thought I had to have like a person in the industry who gave me the green light, you know, that was a decision maker that were like, okay, I, you know, you're going to have an artist career now because I, I say that you will. <laughs> and, you know, so I was struggling a long time with that. And the thing that really turned it around was that I, realized I needed to act more like an entrepreneur. I had taken all these entrepreneurship classes and business classes, but I had never kind of realized that they needed to work together to have a career as a musician. I just thought I had my entrepreneur hat when I was uh, working in a small business. And then I thought that I had my music hat when I was doing my own music stuff. And I didn't realize that I needed to bring those skills over. So once I out of almost like desperation or just frustration after so many years of trying things, realized that I could just start building it like any small business. That was when I started to have success. And, you know, it was small success built upon small success. And, you know, in my local area with my family and friends, and then fans that I got through gigs from my family and friends and church churches, and, you know, just started building up uh, a fan base and getting more gigs through referrals and all that stuff. And so that's really how I built my music career. And I ended up touring all over California um, in some other of the Western states. And 
um, had a pretty, you know, a good run as a singer songwriter, but at the same time I was having kids. And so it was, it was difficult to, I used to bring them on tour with me. And so at one point after I had two kids and one of them was in elementary school, I just decided that I didn't want to tour anymore. And that's when I started working directly with musicians to help them do what I did, uh, give them the thing that I wish I had when I was starting out. I wish I had a, a mentor and a group of people that was doing the same thing that I wanted to do. And so I first developed the Female Musician Academy because I had been working with women uh, as I had started a an online radio station to promote music by women because I felt like there wasn't enough music by women out there when I would listen to the radio or Sirius XM. And so I developed a relationship with all these women. I started helping them uh, as musicians to learn how to market themselves and, and run an actual business. And then over time, I just developed a lot of other different things to help musicians got into really focusing on streams of income that musicians could bring in. And that was started with my a profitable musician summit 2018 and 2019. And then, you know, interestingly enough, the streams of income became really important in 2020 with COVID because we lost a major stream of income with, with uh, performing, at least performing in person. And so I really started focusing on finding more ways that musicians could make money from music. And one major way is recording uh, an album or an EP. And so I put out a course during 2020 about that called Rock Your Next Release just to help musicians. Um, you know, we are our DIY artists. We don't have the record labels to hold our hands and have all these departments to do our marketing for us and uh, figure out, you know, what how we're going to roll out the whole thing. Are we going to put singles out first before the album and how are we going to do our distribution and all that? So that's what rock your next release was about. And so I help musicians to really have a cohesive plan when releasing music. So that's kind of a, I mean, I tried to make Cole's it. Notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have so much experience. Uh, which is fantastic. So for Rock Your Release, so the big question uh, musicians keep asking over and over again is album or singles, should they release an album these days? Is there a point to releasing an album or is it just single by single is the way to go these days? I mean, it's really up to how you want to do it as an artist. I really like EPs. Um, because you can kind of have a group of songs that have a similar theme that feel like they fit together. And if you want to release them physically, you can, if you're performing at all, um, you know, even as we go back to performing here, um, it's definitely something that you can release and people are still buying CDs. They're just usually more in conjunction with other things. So maybe you have a, a cool bundle or something and your, your EP on CD is in the bundle and, and with some other cool branded things. Um, but singles can absolutely be like a marketing tool nowadays. And so people always ask me like, well, should I just release everything as a single? And you can, but I personally think you should put your, all of your effort into your best few songs that you think are really going to 
to catch on. Um, they're going to have a real place maybe on some genre-based playlists that you think they're really going to be likely to get chosen for those. And I would focus on those few. I recommend when you release an album or EP, you do three singles preceding it. And you can do them all as singles if you want, but I feel like you're not going to be able to put in that full effort of really being able to promote each one in its own special way, maybe doing um, you know, some behind the scenes videos and things like that to promote it. You're not going to be able to have that kind of focus and, and just energy to do that for every single single. So I think it's actually better to just really focus on a few. Yeah. Yeah. Like as a listener, I love albums, you know? Yeah. So as a listener, singles, uh, you know, sometimes I'll I'll put my own little playlist together, but I love the whole listening to one artist from beginning to end and, and that phase in their life. Mm-hmm. But from a PR marketing point of view, you know, I usually advise indie artists to do the single by single um, leading up to an EP, you yeah. know, or if you do, sometimes people come to me because they've already recorded the full album. Right. So it's just, yeah. and, and I think it depends on, you know, a lot of artists that have been around a long time, they're still thinking albums and they still have a goal of recording an album just because maybe it's something they wanted to do since they were six years old, you know, and that's totally fine. I, yeah. I have no problem with that. And like you said, there's definitely a place for albums. I've been really enjoying listening to full albums lately of people that released them during the pandemic um, because they had so much time to record, you yeah. know? So there, are, and there are definitely songs on there that I probably wouldn't release as a single, but I still really appreciate it as part of the full project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those people that have already kind of printed up their album and had the, the old ways of thinking of promoting it, I just kind of say, well, you can still sell it at shows and it's like yep. a special VIP. Yep. You know, only you have the whole album. If you go to Spotify, there's just the last two singles that we did and we'll release a couple, but you're the one, you're part of my VIP crew. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Cool. So you have a, the musician's profit path framework, the five stages of music career growth. Could you maybe go through a little bit of that? And you have a book on that as well, right? I do. I have a book on Amazon called the five stages of, well, it's called the musician's profit path, the five stages of music career career growth. And um, the reason I developed this is because I would get artists coming to me, obviously at all stages of their career, and they did not know what to focus on because they would oftentimes look and see what other artists were doing and try to emulate that. And I found that, you know, if that artist was in a further along stage, it didn't matter if they emulated what they did, it wasn't going to work for them because they weren't at that point in their career. So for example, I'd get people coming to me and they'd be like, you know, I just ran a $5,000 PR campaign for my first album or first single. And I didn't really get anything out of it. And I'd be like, well, okay, do you have a website? Do you have an EPK? Do you have the, you know, and, and then they would have nothing. Like that was the first thing that they did. So <laughs> they really had, they had no email list. They had no social media. Like there was nothing that they could capitalize on with this PR. Part of PR um, is 
like you can use a foundation of people that are your fans to amplify PR that you get. And it gives you social proof with those people and with maybe new people. But when you're just like totally unknown and you get a bunch of PR, it's not really going to stick because it has nothing to stick to. So that's where I started saying, especially working with artists in women of substance that they would say, oh, I did this huge radio campaign or I did this huge PR thing and it didn't really work. And, you know, you're giving your, you know, small indie station or your small podcast is giving me more of promotion on social media than I ever got from any of those other things. And I'm like, that is, that's a huge bummer. I don't want to see artists doing that. So um, the first stage is really setting up all of your foundation. Like I said, having a way to catch people when they come into your world. The problem with just running a PR campaign um, in a void is that there's no way to catch people. If you can't get them on your email list, if you can't even get them to follow you on social or even follow you on Spotify, there's no way to reconnect with them later. They might see something about you in a newspaper and be like, that's interesting, but they're not going to remember your name. They're not going to know anything about you past that. So the first, the foundation stage is really creating that, that catch catching system of your website, your EPK, your social media, your uh, email list, and all of that stuff. So you're ready to then capitalize on that when you start getting PR in stage two, which is the promotion stage, where you're going to start putting yourself out there uh, in all kinds of ways, doing some live streaming, getting some uh, smaller PR outlets, maybe local PR outlets, maybe some blogs and stuff. Um and just trying to put yourself out there in performance situations that allow you to be seen more, but you're not trying to go for, you know, big festivals or something. You're not ready for that at that stage. Um, doing some, you know, back when, before the pandemic, there was house concerts and I love them. I hope they can come back someday. I think we can still do socially distanced backyard concerts for sure. Um, private parties and stuff, or I know some people that have done like private live streams, you know, for someone's birthday, like that can be really cool. Um, or private zoom concerts. And then, you know, as you move up to the other stages, which are the expansion, the automation and the profession, um, you're adding new things. You're being able to get exposure into, um, you know, higher level venues and, maybe bringing more people onto your team to help you, especially like during the expansion stage, you're getting a lot of traction, but it's really hard to take advantage of all of it as you're getting, you know, it takes more time, right? Everything that you add takes more time. So getting some help um, and then being able to automate some of these things, whether it's like email funnels, um, you know, making sure that when people come into your world, you have, things that um, talk to them for you, try to get you a little bit of interaction with them so you can then interact, whether it's automating some of your social media, having someone help you with that, automating some of your email funnels. Um, you're still going to be engaging with people personally, for sure. But taking some of that off of your plate is really helpful as you move up the stages. And then, you know, eventually, 
you know, when I call it the profession, it doesn't mean you have to be doing music full time. It could be that you're doing this on the side, but you get to the point where you're actually bringing in some steady income from music in different ways and different income streams. And so you can, you can perpetuate this thing that you love. You can make more music and have money to keep recording because, you know, it's not all about making a full-time income in music. Sometimes you just have this thing that you love and you do it on the side, but it's an expensive hobby and you want to make sure that you can keep bringing in some money so you can keep doing it. Yeah. And what do you say to artists that they just, I, I deal with this a lot of like artists that just want to skip all that foundation step and jump right to, okay, let's promote it. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, what do you say to those artists? Well, I say you can do that, but you're going to waste a lot of money. And I know, I know the foundation part isn't fun, right? I mean, I try to give my people as much training as possible, but it's not the fun part, right? But we have to do it. It's just like anything that we do when you are learning an instrument or when you are learning to sing well, it's not fun. I remember there was a while when I was um, in college going through the time where I was trying to merge my head voice and my chest voice together. And it was awful. I sounded horrible. My voice would crack, you know, all those things. But if I didn't do that work, I could never get to the point where I had a cohesive voice where I could trust it was going to do what I wanted it to do. And it's the same thing with your music career. Like you have to build that foundation in order to take advantage of higher level things. Right. And also, like you mentioned, there's very expensive uh, mistakes you you can make. And that is the whole reason why I've moved from doing publicity to coaching. Um, Because my many years of of doing publicity, it's it's not cheap hiring a publicist, hiring a radio promoter, hiring a social media manager, and you kind of expect them to do all the work for you. And then you wonder why you don't get much. And it's like, well, but you do have to have the website, the brand, the photos, the social media activity, you need to connect with people as well. Someone can't really do all that for you. Um, So yeah, that that kind of brings you another incentive to build the foundation and figure some things out for yourself so that when you're ready to hire those people, they can get you to that next level. Yeah, it must have been hard as a publicist, because I'm sure sometimes you're like, you shouldn't be hiring me. You know, you 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 want to talk them out of it because you know they're not going to really take advantage of it. That's why I was never really successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I I'm an honest person, so I'm the honest publicist, and I would almost talk you out of hiring me. And if you still wanted to hire me, okay, then at least I figured you get it. You get the you have real ex- realistic expectations. But I think that's it is that all those people that are bad mouthing publicists and radio promoters, it's probably because they had unrealistic expectations and you spend all this money and you get like a couple blog posts and a couple radio spins and you're like, whoa, why did I spend all that money? You know, and it's like mm-hmm. you have to be realistic with your expectations. And that's why. I want to show you and you you're showing artists too of how to build that foundation and how to really figure out the business side of it and the promotion side of it so that 
you can get to a level where publicity is going to really help you. Yep. Yep. And I'm, I, I have some publicists that I absolutely respect and I, I know they can do a lot for artists, but I would never recommend that an artist use a publicist until they get to probably my, one of my third stage of my five stages, because you're just not yeah. going to get the, your money back. I mean, and you're still not going to get your money back. Like you can't be yeah. like, I'm going to get like dollar for dollar here, you know, but at least you feel like what you got out of it was worth it. And that you were able to then, like I said, you want to capture those people. Yeah. Once, and you have once to have they find out about up. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just engaging on, on social so that it's really you and not just sell, sell, sell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so with, when it comes to multiple streams of income, what are some of the suggestions you have for musicians to kind of piece together a career? Because just trying to do this as a, for a living, it's tough and there's not a lot of income there. So how can someone really build a career to be able to do this full time and, and kind of piece together an income from it? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one is teaching and a lot of students, a lot of um, musicians do that. Um, if you are, you know, you're talented at, at teaching other people. Um, but like, especially recently, like recording from home, there's a lot of opportunity to be able to do some session work from home. I still do session work from home. Sometimes um, I'm not seeking the work. It comes in every once in a while, but I was doing a lot of it in my earlier career because it was some, I had little kids, like, you know, when I wasn't touring, it was something great I could do from home when they were napping or, you know, uh, they were busy playing or something. I could go into my studio and record a vocal. So, and, and, you know, they're looking for places like air gigs where you can find gigs like this. They're looking for all kinds of stuff. You know, they need instrumentalists, they need drummers, they need backup singers. And, you know, some, some of my students have been recording lately and getting people as session players on their album from all over the world. And that was one of their goals was to have like an international cast of instrumentalists on their album. And it's really easy to do now. So I would definitely be doing that. It's so easy to get started recording from home. It costs you less than a thousand bucks to get the setup that you need to be able to do that. So that, that's a major one. And then you could learn how to record yourself so well that you don't need to spend a lot of money on a studio. I didn't, I did not go to a studio for my holiday album. I recorded it all myself and just had somebody else master it. Yeah. That's another mistake I see a lot of musicians do is they get sucked into a name producer and they spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars on that producer, and then they have no money to market it. They have right. no, and they still go and I don't have a social media following, and I'm like, whoa, again, an expensive uh, mistake to do early on. Yeah, I mean, in my musician's profit path, like I really don't encourage them to record an album until stage three. Yeah, because first of all, you've got to be really good at your craft. You've got to be good at um, performing in some way, whether you're doing live streams or whether you're in person, but you, you need to have like a persona as a musician, because you need to know, how am I going to interact with my fans? What, 
What do my fans know me for? And, you know, why are they going to be interested in listening to and buying an album from me? Um, you want, you know, to be able to test these songs out in front of people and see if they like them, make it, you know, worth recording. You might like them. It doesn't mean that everybody else is going to like them. So you're going to invest that much money. Yeah. And it's a slow process. So learn along the way. Yep. So what are some of the challenges that you faced being a woman in the music industry, either as an artist or as part of the industry? As part of the industry, I haven't really faced a lot of challenges because I've always been known as someone who was a champion for women. So I, you know, nobody really messed with me. Every once in a while, I'd get, you know, artists that would say I was discriminating against men. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. I'm just raising up women. There's nothing wrong with that. Have you ever heard of like having a niche? So I didn't let it bother me. Um, as a woman, in the industry, I definitely would say that I experienced men trying to prey on my naivete and um, making promises that probably had something attached to it. But luckily, I was smart enough to catch on to that early enough that it, it didn't go too far down that road. But I mean, if it happened to me and I haven't even been, I mean, I've done a lot of this stuff myself. Like I haven't even really brought a lot of people into my circle and it happened to me. So I know that it happens to a lot of women, or at least it did. I'm hoping things have gotten better. Um, we recently did a poll in my group and I would say it's gotten better, but it's still a major issue. Um, so I'm glad that people are really talking about it and bringing it to light that it's not okay. And I love that there are men coming on board saying, you know, we're, we want to be allies. We do not think it's okay that, that this is happening. Yeah. That's the important part. It's like, they need to stand up for the women as well. Mm -hmm. If you see some, some guy treating someone badly, it's, you know, it's more powerful for you to be going, Hey buddy, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. like stand up for the women. Yeah. Um, yeah. In order to make change, but yeah, ho hopefully it's on its way to being a little bit better. And also people just standing up for themselves more and other people more because before you might see it happening and you just kind of keep quiet and oh, it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And now more and more people are going, that's not cool. Calling it out. <laughs> you know, we have the power. Yay. So thankful. Yes. Yeah. And so you have two podcasts? I do actually have three. So um, three. I have my, yeah. So my original Women of Substance, which was an online radio station um, in 2014, I converted it to a podcast where I featured only independent female artists. And then by 2017, I could see that the future was really in podcasting. So I let go of the online radio station and focused specifically on that podcast, which features music by female independent artists. So it's an all music podcast, but we do say a little bit of, about each artist um, and some, you know, interesting tidbits about them or the song. And then we have um, the female entrepreneur musician podcast, which I started in 2015, which was an outgrowth of working with the artists on women of substance on how I could help them 
to um, really, you know, empower them on the marketing and business side as musicians. So they didn't have to, you know, rely on trying to get a record deal or an indie label or anything. And then in this last year, um, because of working with the, you know, the streams of income model that I started with the profitable musician summits, I have been focusing on the profitable musician side of our brand, uh, which is now our umbrella brand. And we now have the profitable musician show, which is really how musicians can make all different ways that musicians can make money. So it's not just about being an artist, it, you know, we talk about everything from teaching to um, live streaming, to Patreon, to crowdfunding, to, you know, anything that, to session work, like all the stuff that you can do as a musician to monetize your talent. Right. And I have a question about the women of substance radio. At, when I started doing my podcast and doing the research, it's like podcasts generally cannot play music how does that work because you are already set up as a radio show yeah so I have permission from every single artist that I play so they're all independent I don't have if they give me permission to put pay play knowing that we don't pay royalties then that's all good so I couldn't when I had the radio station I could play anything I wanted I could play you know I could play uh, whoever, Katy Perry or whoever I wanted to play. Right. Yeah. But now as a podcaster, I can't do that. I only play indie artists and they all give me permission. And one thing is that we were actually booted off of Spotify this last year because they felt that we were a a competitor to their playlists, which was interesting. So (laughs) that's their choice though. That's Spotify. Um, and so, but we are still on iTunes and, and Stitcher and, you know, tune in and all those places. It's just that Spotify said, you're playing music. We're playing music. We think it's competition. So we're not going to allow you as a podcast, but our other two podcasts are on Spotify. So, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> so where can people find you online? All these many different places. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, if you're a female <laughs> artist. And you'd like to submit music to Women of Substance, you can go to wosradio.com. If you're a female artist and you would like help with your music career, you can check out the Female Entrepreneur Musician podcast at femusician.com, femmusician.com. And then to check out the uh, Streams of Income Profitable Musician podcast, that's profitablemusician.com. Yeah, and you have a... a very active Facebook group too for the female. Did you open another one for the profit path or are you just sticking with the female? Yeah. So I did not. Um, It would be just too much for our team to manage. So we do have the female indie musician community on Facebook. You can go to wscommunity.com. It was started as a community for the women of substance and it just kind of moved into the female entrepreneur musician world. Um, But yeah, we have a great, it's a free Facebook group and we provide, you know, just a place where you can ask questions and kind of get, get answers from the group and experience from the group. Because I, as an artist starting out, you know, the thing that really helped me was having other female mentors. And so I wanted to make that available. Um, Even if you weren't ready to join the Academy, then you could have that as a place to get started. 
Right. And how do you manage all these things that you do? Oh, I have a team. Time management (laughs) team. I definitely have a team. Um, I have a great team. Women of Substance podcast is now, uh, I have a host for that. It's not me. After over a thousand episodes, I recorded them all. Um, Now a a member of my team who's been with me for four years now, Beth Matthews, she now hosts that show. She does a great job. Um, And then I have a team of uh, like two other members that help me on a daily basis, you know, customer service and, and making sure that everything's working correctly in the background and all that. So, and I have, I also have an additional coach in the Academy as well. Cool. And I always ask, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? I'd say because I believe that, um, I believe in paying it forward. And I believe that the more people that I help, the more that I will receive joy and, you know, abundance in my own life. Right. Wonderful. That's all I got for you. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us and sharing all your knowledge. I'll leave all the links in the show notes and all that good stuff, but thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. For links in a transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 065. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be ever so grateful if you would rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Stitcher, as it really helps get the show discovered by more people. You can also share it on social media and tag me at Diane Foy PR, and I'll be sure to give you a shout out and share it as well. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 